Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask is not Be sure to adjust your own mask before helping others. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holy Loki Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for you freaking motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. On today's episode, we will be talking about having kids, giving birth, not giving birth, abortions. It is a Planned Parenthood episode, you all. So we're going to be talking about some deep things and having some deep conversations. And I am blessed to have Lori back on the line with me. How are are you doing beautiful? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Happy because you're here. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> love coming on talking to you. I, I love to hear that. Um, <laughs> so um, before we even get into this Planned Parenthood conversation, uh, do you mind reminding everybody exactly what you do, who you are, what you're about, uh, and then we can just go ahead and just start this conversation about abortion because let's go ahead and get into that real quick. So let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. I am an expert in gender and sexuality development. I'm a public speaker, but most of all, I'm a certified professional life coach, and I'm here to help you all feel happy in your lives and fulfilled. I like to work with LGBTQ community and non-monogamous community and anybody that is feeling really stressed by their gender or their sexuality and would like to figure it all out with some support. So you can reach out to me for any of those things. Please do it. And her information is going to be in the show notes, everybody. Click it. Learn more about her. Um, so as I mentioned, we are going to be talking about, uh, well, the uh, the abortion ban for one. Now, I don't know. Uh, well, this episode will be airing in 2023, um, some month, more than likely March or April. So we don't really know exactly where the... Um, U.S. Mm. is going to be at that point. However, the U.S. does what the U.S. does. It's some fuck shit. It's a lot of fuckery. <laughs> it is where we are. So, uh, <laughs> sigh. <laughs> it's like if we toss a coin, more than likely, it's still going to be some fuckery going on. So, <laughs> it's evergreen content at this point. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are your <sighs> feelings as it relates to abortion as well as this uh, abortion ban nonsense that's going on? Oh, gosh. Sad, anxious, concerned, um, angry. Mm. A whole, I'm having a whole lot of feelings about how the, the U.S. is handling Planned Parenthood. And I'm really concerned for the trans population, too. Mm-hmm. 
was they're not even being heard with <laughs> with all their concerns and their needs. The fact that they have the fact that they have like like stopped funding in many states or clo closing it down and so many states uh, making it now illegal to have any sort of reproductive care related to abortion, that just really breaks my heart. Breaks my heart was not only are these people going there for for their for their medical needs, right? Like this is a medical need, but it's effect. There's a ripple effect that happens from closing down the funding and closing down the <laughs> the access to Planned Parenthood. How how do I put this? Take your hands <laughs> off of our bodies. Mm -hmm. Just like the government just needs to back off and let people access their medical health needs. Let, let the doctors do their jobs. They went to medical school. They know um, how to help people mm -hmm. and let the people make the choices that they need on their own health care. I agree. And I, I hate that we're in the space today where the experts are not the trusted sources for any information it's truly it's like whoever has the loudest voice which often is a politician that doesn't even know what the fuck they're talking about that they're just going to say something out, outside of their ass and think that this is what it's supposed to be because it's something that i learned in what church in my local community with my within my family this is the uh, messaging that i've been taught all my life therefore anything that's outside of that is incorrect that's not how life works that's not how education works that's not how science works that's not how anything that's based in the reality that we all live in works and to think that these people who spent all these years in school learning the difference differences within body uh, anatomy mm -hmm. uh how our biology works how our genetics work how everything that makes us us work to tell them that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about just because you have a platform and a voice to do so and uh, pass laws is it's inhumane in a sense. It, it truly it's, is. It's, it's fucked up. It truly is. There's a, such a stigma around this whole topic. And it makes it really difficult to have a serious conversation with anybody about it. But it, whenever I hear the politicians talking about um, from the from the opposite side there that are saying that people are killing babies by having abortions. Whenever I, I hear that, I'm like, have you listened and looked at any of the science behind it or the actual statistics behind all of this? It's, it's not the, <laughs> it's not just being used as uh, some sort of um, preventative for having a child just, just for fun. Like there's, there's just the people aren't just showing up just because they feel like it and they're having fun doing this, that uh, they're taking pleasure in doing this. It's they're, they're removing, they're removing possibly a rape child. They're removing possibly a, a broken embryo that's stuck in a fallopian tube. They're, they're saving a life that could be at risk because of the child not developing properly. Their, their, <laughs> their embryos, their cells, the majority of the time, that's what it is, is a pile of cells that are just being taken out. And there's a lot of emotion behind it. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely, no matter what, there's going to be a lot of emotion behind it, having to make this choice and 
sometimes not a choice. Sometimes it's a medical health need for the life of the person who is dealing with this right now. And to have that choice or for the doctor to make that choice or for the patient to make that choice taken away from them by the government, that's awful. Mm-hmm. That's awful. So you have people then that are being forced to carry to term and possibly not making it, or then they're having this chi- this an actual child. Uh, maybe they are having a healthy baby. And then that baby is stuck in a system because they're forced to give it up for adoption. They're stuck in a system with that's not being funded anyway. Mm-hmm. And I, I I severely hate that argument about, oh, if you don't want the child, just put them up for adoption, as though the adoption system is really helping out anything. Like, yes, there are some kids who've found wonderful parents because of the adoption uh, system, but there are so many people whose lives were negatively in- impacted because of that. There's a huge number of sexual abuse that happens within um, yeah. these facilities, child abuse that happens within these facilities. Um, there's poverty that happens. There's like so much trauma that uh, individuals who were adopted are living through because of them being in that system that is ongoing and lasting till today. So to say, just put the um, child in a system that's going to forget about them, why would I do that? Why why force that onto somebody just because I had to be forced to have a child? And even for those people who do uh, uh, end up wanting to keep the child and we're not ready to uh, have a child, what kind of life are they going are they going to be living because now their the trajectory of their life had to change because of this incident most definitely for those people who may have been raped who um, may have been uh, assaulted as a child now they have exactly. to care for this um, baby uh, as best as that they can and try to survive but what's the quality of life of that that mother that those parents as well as the child because of these circumstances that they were forced to be in Exactly. Exactly. And then my heart breaks for the trans community, the the trans community that has that's not having a voice in their reproductive care at all. The ones that have to go off of their hormone treatments because they were raped and assaulted and now they're pregnant and they can't do anything about that. And now they're dealing with their gender dysphoria while they're pregnant. That's awful. Mm. That's awful. And there can be a lot of complications with, with uh, their reproductive system from the being in the middle of a transition or maybe not. Maybe maybe they didn't have any issues at all. They still should be able to say, I don't want this experience. I don't need this experience. This is not going to be good for this child, this potential child, because right now it's just a bunch of cells. Mm. You don't even know <laughs> how it's going to turn out, but I, you shouldn't have to be forced psychologically to go through that sort of trauma. And I really worry for them. And you know what? The Planned Parenthood isn't all about that anyway. That's one part, one facet of it. And to have these places shut down when they were also providing can- breast cancer screenings, men's reproductive care, um, medications for the community, wellness checks for the community. They were There's a lot of services that Planned Parenthood provides and people are now having to leave the state to go to another state to access these services. That's awful. Mm -hmm. 
It's ridiculous. Uh, another thing, they even provided sex education for anyone who's actually wanted it and needed it. Like there's even um, guided guided material that they provide to new parents if they want that. Like they help people find structure in very dysfunctional places. And to say that there's no value in that just because you believe that it's a, a place for just getting rid of a baby, murdering children and all this other misinformation oh my gosh, that you that... received. Like, the day that I saw or on the news that um, they were taking the funding away and the law away for supporting Planned Parenthood and making a, uh, removing the Roe versus Wade law, right? Just saying that that's that was not a thing that should be happening. Mm-hmm. When they when they did that, I cried. <laughs> like I was in an I was in emergency room for my son. There was an issue going on and. I was sitting there in the weight room and, you know, and then all of a sudden I see that on the news and I'm like, no, no, it didn't. No, it did not just happen. I cried. And you see these signs up with the uh, save these babies. No, all these doctors are murderers. And I'm just like, how did this country get to that? How did that happen? And so, yeah, the sex education is so vital for the, for that reason, for all that misinformation that is out there and that, <laughs> the people people just say the most awful things and do the most awful things with from coming from a lack of education mm. and then they go and take away the one thing that can actually help people it's so sad it's very and one of the things that we um discuss is uh discussed was how there are some laws that are drafted and i think some i don't know for sure if any of them have passed but there were some that were drafted um that restricts right. hormone therapies and the fact that if those were to pass that it's not just going to impact trans people i know that's the big boogeyman that uh is right. i'm being used to message the, the reason behind that but hormone therapy is beneficial for people of all ages the holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss includes kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. that uh, is um, being used to message the the reason behind that. But hormone therapy is beneficial for people of all ages, um, Mm -hmm. regardless of if if they're transgender or not. You have uh, elderly women who may need uh, hormone therapy in order for them to, you know, adjust through menopause. You have elderly men who might need that in order to adjust with their testosterone levels. Yep. Like hormone therapy goes above and beyond <laughs> just the trans community. There, yes, they do benefit from those therapies, but so does everyone else. 
where are all the science-minded people like informing helping the government <laughs> like, exactly. like come on all right so people have thyroid issues that could affect their hormones and as we age our hormone levels change and they, uh, sometimes we don't take in enough uh, vitamins to help keep us healthy and that can affect our hormones and i know i know children as well as adults that are not transgender, that are receiving hormone therapy, and it helps their their mental health as well as their physical health. And there's something that that's something that's not even really screened properly. That really should be because it's more common than we than is actually realized that there's issues with hormone levels. I can't believe <laughs> that this fear of like of trans like I think it's I'm pretty sure it stemmed from the fear of of uh people helping children with their transgender um transitions mm -hmm. and that that's where that that fear of the hormone therapy like stemmed from I'm pretty sure that's where it stemmed from but I could be wrong so people are allowed to fact check me okay <laughs> you know and actually I encourage you to fact check everything <laughs> from actual science sites please by, by the way. So like, why are we having these issues? And it, it really stems from a lot of ignorance and radicalized thoughts. Mm. And we need to be more involved in our policies and in our governments so that we can see science actually show up <laughs> and where it's beautiful. needed. <laughs> that would be a beautiful sight one of these days. Like... <laughs> Good God, like when I would not have thought like even uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I would not have thought that we would get to a place where literally science does not matter. Like, how dare you believe in science? What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, I even had to have a conversation oh with um, family members about virology because luckily, luckily for me, I actually had a um a small little um uh, access to understanding virology and immunology and whatnot not a lot but it was enough to make me, let me understand how viruses work but even with it trying to have that right even having this conversation with some of my family members it's just like how how can you believe that's true what um, that sounds like a lie and I'm like no it's not like this has been proven <laughs> it's been proven like even the existence of trans people I'm like how is it that we live in a space where we recognize that within native communities and mm -hmm. other marginalized people in this country as well mm -hmm. as on a global scale that it was recognized that there has been multiple genders that's mm -hmm. not just strictly male and female that we have the two-spirited people intersex individuals all of these things however now we're in a space uh, like we can recognize that but we're also in a space where oh no you can only be male or female what <laughs> right like the logic is not there what is going on where how is there a mental block to the fact that you recognize all this spectrum on a historical lens however in the context of today you're just saying nope and it was like valued and uplifted in these communities for the pre-christian communities the tribal communities like it was it was a valuable person that was seen in the community as somebody who could walk the path of 
both sides of the binary and they were uplifted and seen as a really important person in their tribe. Um, I actually was reading something in um, Hungarian folklore because I'm I'm random like that, <laughs> <laughs> where you had um, this concept, and I'm really simplifying it, so I apologize for people who know the whole history of it, but it was I'm simplifying it, where if you had walked under a rainbow, you would change gender to the other side. And so like when they were looking at people in their community that were kind of going back and forth, because yes, there were transgender people throughout history and non-binary people throughout history. We just have a language now to explain it better. But like back in the day, <laughs> long, long time ago, <laughs> you know, they, they had explanations that were quite beautiful about it. And this concept of going under the rainbow and transitioning on the other side as to the other gender, was I thought was quite a beautiful way of describing it and seeing it in their community. And it is a beautiful thing to be taking away a um, this concept of you have to be a certain way because of your chromosomes and your genitals, that you're stuck in this role is really I, I feel against the concept of choice and freedom and the beauty of being able to accept yourself and live yourself authentically. Mm. So it, it really sucks that we are taking away the freedom of choice uh, in the sense of I don't feel right in my skin. I would like to be able to feel right in my skin. I would like to have this choice to go to the doctor and be like, hey, fix me. I'm actually really needing to look this way because I'm having such a hard time being accepted in my community for what, how I am. And so I need to look a different way. And this body is not matching my brain. And I, I love that you phrase it that way, because like when you think about it and uh, like cosmetic surgery, it is perfectly fine mm -hmm. for somebody to get a surgery to look the way that they feel as though that they um, see themselves as when yeah. it comes to increasing their breast size, shrinking breast Thank you size, for bringing that up. Yes. Um, to let go of some of the extra fat on their body, to increase the fat on their bodies, to increase their lip size and all this. However, when it comes to a person <laughs> that's like, you know what, the gender that is um, being portrayed or the um, persona that is being portrayed is not matching to how I feel on the inside. Now we have a problem. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you. People can go to the beauty parlor and change the color of their hair. People can go into a an elective surgery center and go ahead and get their lips puffed up. But heaven forbid somebody go and be like, well, I would like to um, flatten my chest and I would like to alter my genitals so that it matches how I want people to see me in the world. How awful is it that they can't do that? And you know what? I don't, I wish I remembered where I saw this number so I can verify it. But so I, I also, again, encourage people to double check my stats. But I do know that there is a lot smaller number of people that regret having any kind of surgery mm -hmm. done for changing their gender than there are for people who regret having their breast implants and their butt implants done 
to help the way they look. Mm. The number of re- people that actually regret these surgeries, and it's not really even because they wanted to be transgender, but because the surgery didn't go the way they hoped it would. So the concept of, well, they don't really, they don't, we might regret it if we have it done. That's actually false facts. That's not, that's not the truth. Mm. The people that are transgender to the point where they are having body dysphoria and would like to change their bodies is actually needed for their mental health. And they will be okay when they're done having the surgery. Exactly. The amount of time and therapy that a a transgender individual has to go through just for them to get to the point where they can participate in surgery, they know. They, oh, definitely. They, no, it's not going to be a regret. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> that's a uh, conversation that's not often had. And this is this is going completely off script, but uh, I, I feel like it is a needed conversation. Um, is It's about the co-optation of a narrative. Uh, and I see it so often um, used with, um, to be frank, Republican politicians about uh, genital m- mutilation. And the co-op narr- co-opted narrative is that that narrative is um, based within uh, women who've had to um, be forced into uh, fem- uh, female genitalia um, circumcision. Uh, and it was never anything to deal with um, circumcision for males or anything of that nature. However, we used, uh, in terms of the politicians, use that to have a blanket uh, discuss in terms of, uh, oh, this person who's um, transgender is mutilating their body, this, that, and the third. That's never been the case. Mm-mm. These um, that, that argument does not even fit transgender people at all. It is a cultural practice, um, uh, mostly seen in some yeah. African countries that you have multiple Black women, African women, yes. advocating for that, especially in their new countries, like in, U- in the UK and whatnot, um, of the trauma that they've experienced. And here we are in the US trying to use that to go against the those who are transgender. And we don't even have the conversation about um, uh, choice when it comes to circumcision of young boys mm-hmm. and you can't compare these two different you can't compare it's it's completely different purposes and reasons behind it the why and the science behind these different things and then on top of it the way it happens and the way they go through it and what they what they're looking for out of it it's completely different you're right and it's not talked about <laughs> enough taking these uh these other cultures and purposes and um traumas that were happening and applying it to the to a different underrepresented groups trauma you just you can't compare these different things you really can't the transgender population having these surgeries it's fixing their genitals mm. it's it's fixing their genitals to match their brain and there is a very real biology and very real (laughs) genetics that have been studied to show that their brain and the way it's functioning and the way that their body was developing in the womb has had does have this actual mishap that's happening in their lived experience where they really are 
within in their core and their chromosomes and their at uh, in their DNA, <laughs> if you will, they really are having this completely div- li- different lived experience than what their body is showing on the outside. But that also, um, the laws that affect that, the the hormone therapy and the states that are trying to prevent um, the pausing of puberty for um, the, what's it called, the preteen kids and the teenage kids pausing puberty so that they can have that chance to, to experience um, their body looking at a different gender for a while before they decide if they're going to go fully with the transition or not. Um, stopping that also affects intersex mm. people that like not having that option for them to be able to say, I was assigned the wrong gender at birth. I'm intersex. My body's developing differently than they thought it was going to, or I don't like what they chose for me because I don't feel that particular way or <laughs> just getting just not having that choice when they were born at all for how they want their body to look and having things happen that were against their will. Like all of this all kind of interrelates and it really, it really is needed to be left in the hands of the patient Mm -hmm. and the doctor and their expertises out of the hands of the governments. Agreed. And I'm glad that you brought up uh, intersex people because uh, there was an article I was reading. I forget, was it? I don't think it was Psychology Today, but there was this article that uh, was pretty much tracking the arguments of some of the politicians in terms of the regret of um, having some kind of transition to anything like that. Um, and it's it singled out a specific case where there was this young um, girl uh, who identified as a boy throughout most of, I, I had to say girl then, because he identifies as a he. So uh, most of his life, and he was actually intersex at birth. And his parents made the decision to raise him as a, a girl, as well as uh, perform a, a surgery on him as a child so that they could raise him as a girl. And because of that, um, he regretted the fact that his parents made that decision for him. And that became the talking point uh, against individuals who are transitioning. Uh, And it's not necessarily that he was actually regretting that he just didn't like what his parents did. (laughs) And he wanted to have known that and had that choice there. So it's like, it's a it's a false equivalence whenever they it do is, make right. that argument because that is a specific case and those individuals who are within that they're not necessarily transgender but they're intersex people and that choice truly was taken away from them because we have a society that says that you can only be assigned uh, male or female at birth and we base it off your genitalia and if that genitalia is not matching we need to fix that it's awful it's an awful practice very. It's not for practice. And I really hope that it will change soon. I really do. And I do know that they have started to change a bit how they handle intersex children in some areas, but not all. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that uh, what we've learned now from interviewing intersex individuals and from psychologists now, uh, doing more studies on everything related to gender, 
I'm really hoping that those practices change, that the doctors will advise the scared parents that think that something bad is going to happen to their children with their peers as they're growing up. And I really hope that they leave it be. Just leave it be until the child is old enough to make decisions on how they want their body to look, if they want anything to change or not, and maybe just accept that that's how their body will look. Agreed. And that that's beautiful, too. I definitely agree with you 100%. Um, Another thing that we um, were discussing in our intake meeting was uh, related to the work that you do and, uh, you know, supporting a child who is questioning your gender. How exactly do you approach that with, uh, with children and what kind of conversations do you have to have with their parents? What does that guidance look like for any parent who might have a child out there that's questioning their gender? What kind of advice you may have for them? And another thing that I do want to connect with this is the uh, suicide rates uh, for youth that are who identify as some aspect of the lgbtq plus community okay well well i'll start first with an intake that allows me to do some survey and take some data so i'll do some assessments that are based on what they feel their life is like right now where where there's some strengths where there's weaknesses across the board that can go from how they're relating to their peers how they're relating to their body image how they're relating to um, their family, their school environments. Um, what else do I have on that list? I have uh, things that are related to self-care and self-love and spirituality. When I say spirituality, it's that awe, that sense of awe and wonder, not necessarily religion, mm-hmm. just that sense of your ex- existential experience in the world. Because there is some uh, studies that have gone into having some sense of yourself in the relation to the world and on wonder and that is related to happiness. So I'm looking for their sense of happiness and their strengths mm. and their sense of unhappiness and where they feel that they're feeling disorganized and not happy in general so that I can look at the whole picture. And I ask the parents what their experiences are, what they're seeing, what they're, where their worries are, where they feel things are going well. And what's what uh, they have collected data on in general. So at this point, when they're coming to me, a lot of it has has sort of been bubbling for a while and simmering in the pot. Right. So the child most likely has a history of some kind of not quite fitting in or um, doing things, walking to the beat of their own drum and the parents being kind of confused. It's not like lining up the way that they thought it was going to when they had the kid. Or there's like this big, all of a sudden, this big upheaval of sorts. So you might see like the kid um, is really depressed at school and feeling sad and lonely and not connecting to their peers or being felt like an outcast in some way. They're fighting about their wardrobe. They're fighting about the decorations in their room. You might see the kid um, arguing with the teacher about their name or their pronouns if they've already been thinking about it for a while. You might even find Google searches on how do I turn into a boy or a girl or what is, what am I? And you might find these like very, um, to you as, as the parent, very strange. You don't normally think your child is going to be searching for how do I turn into a boy? So it might seem very different. And you might raise some red flags in your head, like something's going on with my kid. I don't get it. And so they'll come to me and, or they'll start talking to me about it. 
And when I do these surveys, I, I, I sit down with the kid and I separately from the parents as well. And I talk to them about how, um, how this is a safe environment to explore yourself, to explore what's going on in your head and why, why you're feeling these this way and what you want to feel like. And what do you dream about? What do you hope for yourself? And what do you want to work on with your time with me? My goal is usually to start with anything related to self-esteem and peers and wherever their strengths lie. Because once we uplift and feel more confidence, then the other stuff starts to like spiral in a good way. It starts to kind of click and fall into line. So I'm going to look for any way, shape, or form that I can make the child feel confidence in themselves and feel good about themselves. But I'll also be educating. So that a lot of times we have kids that have gone through school and they don't know anything about gender diversity and gender fluidity or anything related to sexual orientation. And so sometimes it can conflate. They think that their gender is different, but really their sexuality is different or it's not the same thing. Or the parents think that there's something going on. The child's must be gay, but really their gender is changing in their heads. Like they want to be different than what they are being shown on the outside. So there's some education that's happening too, between the two and interventions for life coaching can can look a lot like a holistic practice and a lot like uh, therapy, even though it's not therapy. So I'm doing what I call uh, positive psychology interventions. Positive psychology is a science of happiness. So I'm looking at what makes people happy and what motivates them to move in that direction. And I'm using inquiry and talking with the child or the adults and figuring out some some common threads and what they're discussing and asking questions that will help them look inside themselves more and be more insightful so that they can come to their own realization that they have these strengths, that they already kind of know what their interests are and what they want within themselves, or they know what direction they want to move in to learn more about. They just need to have some guidance or find some motivation to move in those directions. They need to get past some kind of a block that's happening. Usually with kids that are transgender, that block relates to their peers and their parents. So when we're working on our self-esteem and we're working on like our confidence, we're not so worried now about our peers rejecting us. And we're not, and when we're working together with the parent and having every now and then a session as a group and having communication between the two, usually it's a fear that the parent is having that we need to get past the fear that their child is going to self-harm or their child is going to be outcasted or their child's going to have all these big struggles and they're not communicating between each other. So we'll work on that a bit. And between all of this over, usually it's about like six months that we work together throughout that time, we're moving now in the direction of, finding things that feel right, feeling confident, finding peers that fit us better, finding ways to hold boundaries with people that are hurting us and finding our advocates in our school and, that can help us with the bullies and the peer issues and the teacher issues. Um, 
sometimes I'll consult if the school is doesn't have really good uh, guidance departments that understands these things or policies in place for transgender children. I'll advocate as well in the school to make sure that that's there for them, that they're following the laws properly for, for New Jersey we're talking about, um, by the way. Um, if I'm doing virtual work, I could get, I could still help and consult virtually outside of the state with what would work best for the child, but they would have to just figure out if it's the right laws that can work together with that. So over that time period, we wind up exploring and finding clothing that fits right, um, finding activities that feel right, finding where our strengths are so that we can advocate for ourselves better and, and know what we, we need and communicate it better. And then finding our community. You just need one person that is an ally to make a difference in the suicide rate. And you had asked about the suicide rate. It's very high for transgender children, unfortunately. And I advocate for the Trevor hotline whenever I bring that up for children. Trevor hotline is amazing. They, they have an amazing training program for the crisis counselors. So um, while I will absolutely help as life coach, if you're in like a crisis moment and I'm not available or you're looking for somebody just for the moment to talk to, Trevor hotline is outstanding and they have a lot of things on their website for to help you find within your state's resources um but you just need one person that could be a, a faculty member that could be me that could be that could be a peer that could be a sibling that could be a parent you need one person that is validating their feelings and holding space for them and giving them the best human experience they can to say you are loved you are okay people will accept you. You just need some confidence in yourself and some self-compassion. Yes. So yeah, just one person, one. one person, you know, and um, that's partly the reason why I do have that affirmation at the end of my, um, my... Love. <laughs> I, I would love listening to that affirmation that you say at the end there. So, oh my gosh, it, it makes me so happy. It's true. Cause like when uh I when I first started the po podcast I didn't have it there but I at least let people know hey uh, love you all see you next episode or something like that or you know end the show yeah. someday. um but I when I was younger I was a lot more of, of the affirmations kind of person and it took a former classmate to spark that in me once once more. And uh, ever since then, I decided, let me make sure I have that message for some people, because you never know how somebody is feeling on the other side of whatever you're streaming from. You might be that person who keeps somebody off of that ledge just another day. Yeah. And just having someone just to remind you that you are beautiful. Fuck what everybody else says. You are still beautiful. And if nobody else oh, loves yeah. you, at least know that Vernon loves you. Lori loves you. Yes. somebody who's never met you has love for you it doesn't have to be the immediate people that you're surrounding yourself around or even um, your family but some stranger somewhere has love for you and you meant something to them live for them and live for yourself first off live for yourself first yes. <laughs> and I say that because uh, many people when they do live for other people uh, and they're the focal point of why they're here every single day. 
if there's ever a point when that person is no longer there or they fail you, you go into a deep bout of depression of who am I without that person's love? But when you have your own love and you fill yourself with the love that you need because you're living for yourself, regardless of who does not like you, who it is who does not love you, you will still know that I love myself and that's all that matters. That is a hugely important piece of advice right there is that self-compassion for yourself, that things are going to be hard at times. Um, we might lose some people that we really cared about in our life. We might have some failures in our life. We might not have the things that go the way we hope they go, but we will get through these hard times. They do come to an end. They do pass. And you are strong enough and brave enough and beautiful enough to make it through. So that, that self-compassion helps get through the hard times. And then that love for yourself pushes you through all the way. I love myself enough to accept that this is hard right now and I'll take care of myself. Mm. Love myself enough to give myself a break when things didn't go the way I hoped they would. See, I love that you said that I love myself to accept that things are not going the way I wanted because there, you know, that, that concept of toxic positivity uh, mm. whenever you ignore and don't acknowledge the negative things that are around you, will make you a lot more depressed than yes. just accepting and acknowledging that at this point right now I'm not my best and that is okay but you can always find a way to get to the other side of that darkness if it might take some work it might take some tears um, but there is a possibility for you to go get past that if you need the help get the help like there's a way I yeah, I I can't tell you enough how much I hate toxic positivity. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Stop telling me everything's okay. It's not. It's not okay. It's not. Stop <laughs> stop gaslighting me. You're right. <laughs> like find friends who will tell you the truth because look, you need it. If things are not right, it's okay to tell your friends. Okay, look, we need to take a step back. And reevaluate some things because what you just said sounds like you're going through some trauma right now. How can I help you? Yeah, simple as that. Exactly. Well, I will say this is a good uh, place to just put a pin on that episode and switch into some fun stuff about Never Have I Ever. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'm going to mix it up for you today. Uh, I'm going to do a Never Have I Ever, a Would You Rather, as well as a sex question. You ready? Oh, okay. Throwing it at me. Yes. <laughs> so, Never Have I Ever licked chocolate syrup or whipped cream off of someone. <laughs> totally have. So tasty. So fun. So hot. <laughs> yes, I, I've done that before. I still refuse to do chocolate syrup because it's way too sticky, but I will, I will, fucking do some whipped cream <laughs> Whip cream. syrup is so sticky but so yummy and you're hot and sweaty and sticky anyway so why not i don't i don't know that might be fun anyway i was gonna say i liked it warmed up more than when it came straight out of the fridge mm. but ice is a lot of fun too so yes yes there's that <laughs> <laughs> so some chocolate syrup some ice you have a you have a you might as well throw some ice cream in this motherfucker. We having a Sunday today, y'all. We're having a fucking Sunday. Hell yeah! 
if we're if we're going to be sticky as hell, we might as well have a <laughs> Might as well make it a full Sunday. Give me that cherry while I pop that cherry. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Episode title right there. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so, would you rather... Would you rather have a partner who can never lie, even if the truth is painful to hear, or be mm. with the partner who always says what you want to hear, even if it's not true? Oh, no, hell no. Give me that truth bomb. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs> I'm done playing games. Just lay it at me. <laughs> for real. Just I, I don't have the time for you to sugarcoat anything. What's going on? That That's going into that toxic positivity mess. Exactly. <laughs> nope. Do not tell me stuff that I just want to hear. Sometimes it's great. If you know I look a hot ass mess and you know I'm going through some things, just be like, you know what? You've had better days, but you look cute. Yeah, you still have the truth in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can be nice about it. <laughs> exactly. But don't just like, oh, you look so gorgeous. Yes, Vernon. I love this ensemble <laughs> that you got on. Bitch, I am wearing my bum a bum outfits. There's holes all through the shit. The, the, there's crusty dirt on the bottom of the cuff of these pants. And I look fucking cute. How- <laughs> Your standards are too low then. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) You don't love me as a friend. (laughs) Oh, God. All righty. Here is the sex question. Okay. Have you ever sent or received naughty sex? And what did they say? Like virtually sexting or like on Mm -hmm. the phone or like any of the above? Any of the above. All of the above then. (laughs) (laughs) I have to. Whenever you do sex somebody, is it steamy or is it just like, like, do you, are you the tease kind of sex person or are you more of the, I'm going to get raunchy with you. I want you to be masturbating off of the messages that I'm sending you. Um, Both. It's fun to, it's fun to have the variety I feel you know and I think that's great advice for everybody is just that what makes sex um with long term with somebody so if you're going to be with one partner for a long time what keeps it going is that fun and excitement of something new and that new and novel thing so that new novel thing doesn't have to be like we're getting new toys today it could be something as simple as i'm talking to you a little differently i'm bringing you to a new place i'm trying something that out of our normal routine i'm not putting it on my calendar for saturday night every week you know i'm gonna try it monday afternoon now or while you're at work i'm gonna send you a a quick little text as like a little hint of a flirt of some way but for for me, yeah, when I, when I when I'm with partners that are not around, I'm having a lot of fun in any way that I can. So yeah, we're absolutely sexting. We're absolutely sending something naughty to each other, and that could be a full blown out, you know, long night of fun going back and forth on the phone, texting, video camera. It doesn't matter, you know. But there are so many ways that you can show and express your erotic side it's it if you're not if you're not feeling comfortable with it one way communicate that Mm -hmm. and then 
talk to each other about what's something that you would desire to try that you haven't tried yet. What's something new and novel that we can do that makes our date night more fun? By any chance, have you ever, this is something I actually kind of want to do one day uh, in the future when I am in like an actual committed relationship, but have you ever sexed your partner while in the same room? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. I feel like that will be so much fun. It's like, oh, it is. Because then you're looking at each other like, did you really just send that to me? Oh my God. (laughs) And then I'm I'm having a lady boner and she's got a lady boner and we're having a good old time. No one else knows. And we're like looking at each other. (laughs) It's like, it's, I I feel that's like whenever you're at like a party or something or outing with your best friend and you're both communicating with each other and you're just looking up to make sure that they got that text message. (laughs) You're just like, (laughs) bitch. I know what's going on. <laughs> but that's, oh, that's yeah just... you know that's that's part of that keeping it exciting mm-hmm. you, things are going to get stale you know that you're going to go through periods of time when life just gets too busy and you're going through the emotions and the mundane one way that you can keep your relationship really happy and keep it really going is to find that flirtiness that you had when you first got together that new relationship energy you know that excitement of the oh i just got a text oh a little <laughs> nip there loving that little nip <laughs> yes <laughs> like, like even like right now with uh, me talking to someone i don't know how this is going to go but um uh, my main thing is I, I keep telling him stop saying stuff to make me smile um and he just keeps doing it i'm just like fuck you so i'm going <laughs> and it's just it's a tit for tat thing because That's so cute I tell them, do not do that because I'm not trying to be giddy giddy right now and still sends it. And I'm just like, okay, since you're going to be on that energy, I'm going to return this energy because you're playing these games. So (laughs) I will play these games with you. And it's fun. It's fun. It's like, enjoy, even if um, we're not in like the same city because we're, we're not, it's still fun and enjoyable it's playful uh, and that's the thing that is beneficial to a lot of relationships is just finding ways to play outside of sex because sex is a way to play with your partner but Mm. you can play in different ways video games together sext each other um make each other smile doing the most random things eating uh, ice cream off their Exactly. Anything. Exactly. Anything. <laughs> There's so many things you can do to play with your partner. Just broaden um, your horizons. <laughs> yeah. Just, just try it. You know, you have this fantasy of something, and you're probably nervous to talk to your partner about it. You know, because I'm assuming then that you're, it's something you've held in. You're afraid of rejection, and that's common. Mm. That's normal. It's okay to feel nervous about it. But you also know, should at that point, when you're trying to experiment with something new, know your partner well enough to know how to bring it up in a safe way mm. where you're, you're letting them know that you're nervous about this, but you're curious what they're going to say. You hope that they will be honest with you in a gentle way and ask them also what they're interested in and be able to go back and forth with each other like, you know, okay. I'm not sure I feel comfortable with this in this way, but maybe we can adjust something in here and try it in a different way. 
or what's another way we can get that same feeling where I'm more comfortable and mm-hmm. have that conversation. And that's a beautiful way to grow your relationship. If you could feel safe enough to talk about the hot chocolate on the nipple, <laughs> then you should be able to talk about the other hard thing that's going on in your life when you're really hurting and you're afraid to talk about your jealousy or you're afraid to talk about your bad day that you had or that you want to switch jobs and you don't know what you'll do for money when you switch jobs because it'd be unpaid time. Those hard relationship things, you'll be able to use those same strategies then when those come along for safe communication. Mm. Deep, deep stuff. Real deep stuff. Ooh, Lordy. Well, Lord, <laughs> you left How us. I went from hot chocolate and ice cream sundaes <laughs> on naked bodies to you got this in your hard communication times. I don't know how I did that, but I did. And I did it all for you all out there. <laughs> yes, that's that's called a pro, y'all. That's a pro life coach for you. <laughs> Take you all around the map. But <laughs> the right destination. So, Lori, do you have, other than that word that you just provided to us and that we need to, like, absorb and sit in for a moment, do you have any other last words that you would like to share with the audience? Continue with your self-compassion, your self-love. Have that wonderful, loving time by yourself where you figure out the things that make you happy so you can share it with your partners. And reach out to let me know if anything touched you in this episode because I love to hear from people. So you go to www.includelgbtq.com and you look me up on all the socials and all the places and send me a message. And if you feel like something struck you and you want to talk about it more, I'll talk about it with you. And if you want to experience what life coaching is like, I always give a free session first so we can see if it's right for you. And if it's not, I'll point you in the direction that can help you. So there's nothing to lose there, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Utilize your resources, people. Well, on that note, thank you all. Well, first off, thank you, Lori, for being on the podcast. My pleasure. It's always a fun time with you, Vernon. I agree. I agree. I still need to make this trip (laughs) to New Jersey. Please do. Please do. We'd be besties. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) For the listeners out there, thank you all so much for listening to the Holy Loki podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. Just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful, you are worthy of happiness and joy, you are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.